In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, I was able to take some vacation a couple weeks ago, and on vacation was able to catch up on a lot of reading I had. And I ended up reading an article by a man named Anthony Bradley. He teaches up at King's College in New York. And the article's name is The New Legalism. And here's the subtitle. How the push to be radical, and that's in quotes, discourages ordinary people in ordinary places from doing ordinary things to the glory of God. I'll read that again. How the push to be radical discourages ordinary people in ordinary places from doing ordinary things to the glory of God. And this is what he writes. Just to read a short little excerpt from it. He says, I continue to be amazed by the number of youth and young adults who are stressed and burnt out from church because of the regular shaming and feelings of inadequacy they feel if they happen to not be doing something unique and special. Today's millennial generation is being fed by the church the message that if they don't do something extraordinary in this life, that they are wasting the gifts and talents God gave them. The sad result is that many young adults feel ashamed if they settle into ordinary jobs, get married and start families, live in small towns, or as Paul says, aspire to live quietly and to mind their affairs and to work with their hands. For too many millennials, their greatest fear in this life is being an ordinary person with a non-glamorous job, living in the suburbs, and having nothing spectacular to boast about. What he's saying here is he's saying that the church, in its attempt to remind us that the Christian life demands conversion, demands a change of life, and the church's attempt to remind us that the Christian faith is not the same thing as the American dream, in its attempt to do this, the church has unknowingly put on us greater demands than demands that are put on us by Jesus. And so all of a sudden, to be a true disciple means that you have to do something extraordinary. You have to live this spectacular Christian life. And he ends the article by writing, why is it that Jesus's command to love God and neighbor, why is this not enough for these church leaders? Why is it not good enough to simply pursue living well and to invite others to do so according to how God has ordered the universe? And he says, it is unclear how millennials will respond, but this may explain the current trend of young Christians leaving the church after age 15 at a rate of 60%. Being a Christian in a shame-driven, radical church does not sound like rest for the weary. Perhaps the best antidote is simply to recover a mature understanding of vocation so that youth and young adults understand that they can make important contributions to human flourishing in any sphere of life because there are no little people or insignificant callings in the kingdom of God. Great last line. There are no little people or insignificant callings in the kingdom of God. Now, this article was written talking about youth and and young adults, uh, but the truth is, 
Uh, I talk to people of all ages who struggle with this. I think all of us have in our mind a picture of what a good Christian life is supposed to look like. All of us have expectations for ourselves as Christians. And, and it is true, some have low expectations for themselves. And if that's the case for you, I did not write this sermon for you. So you don't have to listen to the rest of it. Uh, but the fact is, I find most people actually have pretty high expectations for themselves. And the way you know this is that when you start to talk to them about their, their life in Christ, their life as a disciple, they have feelings of inadequacy. They feel like they're, they're not doing enough. They feel like they're a, a second rate or a subpar Christian. In other words, they feel insignificant because when they look at their life, they have, as the author says, nothing spectacular to boast about. Now, I bring all this up because I think in our gospel reading, I believe the first two parables speak to this, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. They talk to us about our expectations of the Christian life. This is the first parable. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this tiny little seed. I remember my youngest Adele coming home one day from Sunday school. They had given her a mustard seed. And the seed was so small. In the parable, the man takes this tiny seed and he hides it deep into the earth. It's hidden. But then Jesus says, look what God does. God makes this tiny seed grow. It's, it's the action of God. And the seed grows and grows until it becomes this immense plant. That's the first parable. Second one is this. The kingdom of heaven it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. So this woman takes yeast. It would have been a, a little um, batch of, of already leavened dough. Kind of like when you make sourdough bread, you start with a, a little batch of the previous dough. She mixes this, Jesus says. And by the way, this word mix, uh, in the Greek, it has this, this connotation of she hides. So another idea, she hides this dough into three measures of flour. By the way, that is 40 pounds of flour. So it's a lot of flour. This little bit of leaven, she mixes in 40 pounds of flour. And Jesus says, what happens? Well, it works through the whole dough. She doesn't do it. It does it. Uh, and it causes the dough to rise. So two parables where God takes something very, very small and insignificant and hidden and he affects this big change out of it. So how does that relate to what we talked about in the beginning? Well, I said, often in our Christian lives, we struggle with expectations. I mean, we live in a culture of success. Um, we're told from the youngest age, we are supposed to achieve great things. And so this is true, not only in our spiritual lives, but in all of our lives, but especially in our relationship with God. I think that we can have these huge expectations for ourselves and we become discouraged when we look at our life and we say, 
we're not doing much or we're doing these small things. Or as you get older, you look back at your life and you think, what, what have I really accomplished? You only see small things. But Jesus is saying that that's okay. God can use the small things. God can bring great things from our small actions, our small faithful actions. You know, think about the original disciples, the 12 disciples. Typically, we don't think of the disciples as feeling insignificant. I mean, they're the disciples. They're famous. Everybody knows the disciples. But, but imagine uh, in the early days of Jesus's ministry, uh, they are in a pretty unimportant part of the world. Uh, Jesus has this ministry that's occurring in a pretty small geographical area. He is teaching. He is doing some pretty uh, impressive acts of healings and miracles. But Jesus is making this claim. He's saying that my ministry with me, uh, I am ushering in the kingdom of God, that a new age has come with me. I bring about a new world. And if I was a disciple, I'm sure I would have said, really? I mean, I would think it would have to be a little bit bigger than this. But no, Jesus says in these parables, he says, listen to how God works. God takes these insignificant things, these small things, these hidden things, and he changes the world through them. And more than this, God, Jesus is making a, a promise to them. He's saying the kingdom of God is coming. No one can stop it. It may seem small and hidden now, but one day all of creation will be transformed by it because that's God's purpose. That's God's will. In the 18th century, there was a French Jesuit priest named Jean-Pierre de Cassade, and he was a, he was a very famous spiritual director. Uh, and people would come to him from far and wide uh, looking for direction in their life. Uh, and people would, would line up to see him. And they would go to him and they would ask him, what is God uh, calling me to do? Or, or how am I to live my life as a faithful Christian? What does it mean? Or how do I become a saint? In uh, Kassad, uh, after meeting with thousands and thousands of people, he, he recognized that so many of them were coming to him worried and discouraged. They had heard about the great lives of the saints, and when they took their ordinary average lives, they felt insignificant. And so when people would come to him and ask him, what is God calling me to do? The answer was always the same. He would say to them, be faithful in the responsibilities that God has given you. That was it. What is God calling you to do in your life? Be faithful in the responsibilities that God has given you. And he writes this in a little book he has. He says, review your life. Look at your life. Assess it. Is it not composed of innumerable actions of very little importance? Well, God is quite satisfied with these. They are the shares that the soul must take in the work of its perfection. This is so clearly explained in Holy Scripture that there can be no doubt about it. And he quotes Ecclesiastes chapter 12, fear God and keep the commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And he says, 
That is to say, these small actions, that is all that is required on the part of man. If man fulfills his part, God will do the rest. And he writes later, describing the Christian life, fulfill the simple duties of Christianity and of your state of life. Embrace with submission the crosses belonging to that state and submit with faith and love to the designs of God and all those things that have to be done or have to be suffered. Fulfill the simple duties of Christianity and of your state of life. Uh, I think it's helpful for all of us to look at our lives and to look, about, look at our expectations, the expectations we have for ourselves as disciples. Uh, and to ask yourself, what would I need to do to feel adequate as a Christian? And then as you think about these expectations, to remember that you don't have to do anything extraordinary, don't have to do anything spectacular. That's not what God calls you to. God calls us to be faithful in our day-to-day lives. And that does take intention. That that doesn't just happen. It takes discipline, faithful in our relationship with God and our prayers, faithful in our relationships with one another, faithful in our work. But again, to remember that if we're faithful in the small things, God will use them in ways that we can't understand. God will do his part. We have to be faithful, but we don't have to be spectacular. And to me, that's pretty good news. Amen.